We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. My name is Bethany Lee. And this is episode number 11. It's actually the first episode of series number two, which is a deeper dive into all things horse shows. When I asked for some feedback about topics for the podcast, I got a lot of response about prep for horse shows and how to look for show horses and tons of different ideas. So I thought a whole series on horse shows was a great idea. I am so excited for the first guest of this series because as we recorded the episode, gonna be honest, I hadn't talked to this guest before, but we became besties in the course of this podcast interview. She is amazing. She is a top U25 rider, lives in the West Coast. I got to go visit her and ride one of her top horses. And she just has so much knowledge for how young she is. She has Olympic aspirations, and honestly, I don't have any doubt that she's going to get there. So our first guest for Series 2 is Anna Buffini. Hey, Anna. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Awesome, well, I'm so excited that you're on the podcast today. I'm so excited to be on it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, So let's get right to it. How did you get started in equestrian sports? So I was trying to be an elite gymnast from about two years old to 10 years old. And it just became a really negative experience and my body broke down. So I stopped that, but I had all this energy and all this competitive drive to do something. And I always loved horses and I begged and begged and begged my parents if I could ride. And I finally broke them down and they let me ride horses. And I had no idea what the disciplines were, what jumping or reining or dressage was. And I just happened to go to a dressage barn from a referral by my friend. And that's where I started. And I just never stopped. And I loved it. That's awesome. So have you dabbled in other disciplines since then or you you just stayed dressage? Dressage is my main thing, but I've dabbled in jumping, which I absolutely love. And if I have the chance, I 100% I'm going to buy a jumper um, in that. And I help a lot of jumpers actually and teach them and help um, flat a lot of jumpers. So I love jumping. Very cool. That's awesome. So fast forward, you have been riding as a junior. What kind of competition or what kind of level are you in at that point? And what are some of your biggest moments of that age range? Yeah. So when I started, I didn't do a lot of big competitions from about 11 to 16. And then when I was about 17, my parents let me fly over to Europe and we found this wonderful horse named Sunday Boy. And I started competing in the Young Rider level. And in 2014, we were able to win the Young Rider National Championship. And then we went on to win the um, North American Young Rider Championship Team Gold. Then in 2016, that same horse, Sunday Boy, and I moved up to the under 25 Grand Prix division. And we were able to 
win the national championship for the U.S. in that division. And then also another horse I'd found along the way named Wilton came second in the national championship for under 25 Grand Prix, wow. which was pretty exciting because that was the first time in U.S. history that had ever happened. Wow. Yeah. And then the following year, I took both my boys to Wellington and it was the first ever under 25 Grand Prix Nations Cup. Sunday Boy and I competed in and we were able to win the team gold for Nations Cup and then the individual freestyle gold in Sunday Boy's last ever competition also. So it wow. was incredible incredible journey with that horse that's amazing that's so cool and wow like so many accomplishments that horse must have been I I don't know if I've seen um any video of you two together but sounds like he was pretty special what what was that process like um with finding him he was just a dream horse it was actually crazy because we went over to look at a different horse it didn't work out and while we were walking out my previous trainer saw him and he belonged to um, an Olympic rider, Gunter Seidel, before me. And the sponsorship with that horse didn't work out. So he was sent to Europe to be sold. And while we were walking out, my trainer was like, is that Sunday boy? And so we had to go home that day. Mm-hmm. But we just we watched videos and we saw how special he was. And we flew all the way back the next week to try. Wow. Him. And the first ride, I've said this on I mean, I've told everybody the very first ride was absolutely magical. Like I still have video of it. We just clicked. We fell in love with each other. I think the very first I'll never forget that feeling of trying a horse like that. Cause as most equestrians know, trying horses is pretty much a horrible experience normally. (laughs) Yeah dozens and dozens of horses that don't work or are lame or want to kill you. So to have an experience like that, um, I think defined our, our relationship and our career because we really are best friends. And I spent every day with him and I would just sit in his stall and sing to him and, you know, brush him and groom him all day long until he knew me and was really comfortable with me. And then over our six year career, I think that bond is what really helped us achieve success. Um, He trusted me. I trusted him. He was so talented and I worked really, really hard, even though he was talented. And um, we just never gave up and we were able to reach a lot of our goals. That's amazing. What is a normal day at the barn or um, your, your normal schedule in general look like? Normally, I'll get to the barn by 6.30 and be on my first horse by 7 for a lesson with Gunter Seidel, my trainer. And then I have another lesson about an hour later. And then I have four other horses in my program. A couple are client horses, a couple are my own horses. So I'll finish riding around one. And then I'll go to physical therapy because I have some riding injuries like everybody does. <laughs> and then I'll go home and I'll study. I'm doing college online with a degree in music. And then I'll go for a workout somewhere, either boxing or running or Pilates or everything. I love to do everything. And then I go back to the barn for night check and give them cookies and fluff their stalls and do feed. And then um, my sisters are competitive volleyball players. So I'll probably go pick them up for my mom and bring them home. And then I'll either work out again or I'll do some more studying before bed and then just do that every day over and over. Wow, that is quite the schedule. So your emphasis on your physical fitness, what what does that mean to you in regard for prepping your body for the sport? Yeah, I honestly know for a fact that I would not be 
the level rider that I am without the workouts that I do. I think, first of all, I mean, these horses are so strong and it takes so much fitness to ride the Grand Prix. Any any Grand Prix rider, you know, has a workout plan, a workout trainer. It just takes so much out of you to ride really well at the top. And also, I think if you don't work out, it doesn't let you have the empathy for your horse who you're pushing you know, every day and they're working out and they're breathing hard. And sometimes, you know, if I'm doing PF for a long time and my horse is fatigued and breathing, I'm like, okay, I did a bunch of squats yesterday. I know how he's feeling. So I'll give him a walk break and then I'll pick it up again. So number one, it helps you ride at a top level. And number two, it gives you empathy for your horse and helps you figure out how to gauge how much to work them out, when to give them walk breaks and everything. Yeah, that's amazing. What did you say? What What are some of your favorite workouts? I heard boxing and Pilates. Yeah, yeah. boxing and Pilates. My favorite one I, that's always on Instagram is beach stairs. There's the set yeah. of beach stairs um, close to my house and there's maybe nine sets of them with a couple hundred steps. And I just love it because it's you can get a short workout in, but it's really intense and you get your heart rate up and you're dead afterwards. And mm-hmm. um, it's just beautiful. I mean, who gets to work out at the beach every day? That's awesome. Very cool. So um, you mentioned that you have a couple lessons in the morning of your day. What what do those lessons look like? Are they super intense or does it vary depending on what you're prepping for? Yeah, it definitely varies. We always cater the, the exercise and the workout to the horse whether they're rehabbing or they're in full practice and we're trying to go to a show. So right now we're getting ready for show season. My first show is at the end of January. So we'll do a 45 minute lesson and really cater towards whatever we feel like the horse needs for the day. So if he comes out a little stiff or he comes out really high, then we'll kind of work that out and try and run through the movements of the test. And Gunter's focus is so much on your position because if you have a correct position, it really helps your horse to perform better. So he's very intense on the rider more so than the horse. Mm-hmm. Because if the rider gets it correct, then the horse is going to follow the rider and normally do it the right way. So he's always, always, always telling me to sit down and have quiet hands and quiet legs and heels down. And his emphasis is always being fair to the horse. Lots of breaks if they need it, or if your horse is being naughty or stubborn and you have to get after them, then, you know, make a a correction. But I love when he says, make a correction without emotion. It's so easy to get, you know, upset and be like, ah, come on. But Mm -hmm. if, if you take the emotion out of it, then you're able to be really fair to your horse and keep, keep the correction measured. And then you keep your cool after the correction, you get through to them and then you just keep riding on as if nothing happened. He's a, he's very strict German (laughs) rider, but that's what I love. I love that he wants perfection. I love that he wants you to ride a hundred percent correct the entire time. And I love that he puts the horse's welfare above anything else. If the horse isn't right that day or, um, you know, we've worked three days in a row, then he tells me to give the horse a day off and we, we just come up with a good plan. That's always fair to the horse first. That's great. Uh, So what are some fears or struggles that you go through as you are making this progression in your riding? Yeah, I think for a lot of riders, the biggest struggle is mental, especially for me, just, you know, believing in myself and not having doubts of if I can do it and, you know, staying driven to get up at, you know, 5 a.m. every day and going to the gym. And it's definitely it's it's necessary to have friends that help push you or help help get you to the barn or meet you at the workout. 
not worrying about what other people say or think is a big one for me because I really care about people. And, um, you know, I want, I'm kind of a people pleaser. So I want people to be happy and, you know, get along. And a lot of people aren't happy about your success or are jealous or just, you know, are having struggles of their own. And sometimes they project it onto you and that, you know, it hurts and it's, it's confusing, but I think just really kind of staying focused and staying in my lane and going into the relationships I have that are positive and um, uplifting is huge for me. And then also just how patient you have to be in the sport. It takes years and years and years to be good. And it takes your horse years and years and years to reach the top level. And like, you know, Debbie McDonald, the dressage Olympian didn't make her first Olympics till she was 50. So (laughs) sometimes you have to look at it and be like, okay, I may have to wait 25 more years before I possibly make the Olympics. But it's, it's really about enjoying the journey along the way, because in the end, you're like my trainer's gold medals are in the, his sock drawer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what he's done, but you know, the the championship comes and goes, but the journey, the day to day, is what you really have to learn to enjoy and and take it one step at a time. Yeah, that's that's definitely good advice. I mean, that is a blessing and a curse of our sport that um, you have a long time to do it, but it also makes you have more patience because you never know. You there's there's a long time frame where things could happen. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so talking about the elephant, a elephant in the room for this industry. Many who spend any time in the sport know that money and politics are always involved. I mean, coming from an affluent family, have you received backlash or judgment that, you know, you hear people say, oh, she's only successful because she can afford the nice horses and the training and all that stuff. I mean, there's no way around it because money does help us find the right connections and the right horses. But you and I know that obviously there's much more that goes into that process than just that. So what's your take on all of that? I've heard that my entire career since I've had Sunday Boy, that he is a made Grand Prix horse, that it's easy, that I'm just winning because I have money, all the above. And I am so thankful for the opportunities I've had. But you can buy a $10 million horse and lose every single show. And you can buy a $2,000 horse and be an incredible rider and win everything. What people don't take the time to realize is that if the rider isn't skilled, the horse isn't going to do well. And there's no such thing as an easy horse. You know, they don't do it on their own. If I make it look easy, then I know I'm doing my job well. But if you look at the top riders in every discipline, most of them don't have a lot of money. They have sponsors behind them because they've worked so hard their whole lives uh, and have earned their sponsorships and trust to buy them a nice horse. But there's no such thing as it's easy and it's made and you just went out there and did it without working hard. I dare you to go out and find one person who has earned their way through life and has become successful without having to do work. And my dad even writes about it in his book, The Immigrant Edge, that it takes a lot of work to become successful. There's no such thing as an overnight success. You know, he came by his success by working harder than anyone he's ever known. And, you know, he came to America with no money, got hit by a car, almost died, sold shirts at the beach, found out he was good at real estate, sold a bunch of real estate, met my mom, who was an Olympic volleyball player. They had six children, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this crazy long journey. And it's 
none of it was easy. None of it was given. And that's something he's instilled. They both instilled in me is that nothing is easy. Nothing is given. You, you are not born entitled to anything. You are born with a work ethic, you know? And so you have to, you have to work and you have to put in the time to become successful. And I think that people who say it's easy or who say I haven't earned it because the horse knew what he was doing. You know, some of it comes from jealousy or or whatever their own struggles or insecurities are. Sure. I think the culture needs to change a bit when a good horse, I mean, when a good rider gets a good horse, people need to congratulate them and be happy for them because wouldn't they want the same exact opportunity? I mean, who wouldn't want an amazing horse? Right. Honestly, if you don't work hard, you you shouldn't have a great horse. And if you don't stay thankful for, for your opportunities and what you have, then you're not going to be grateful for the next opportunity that you have. It definitely strikes a nerve with me when people tell me <laughs> that I don't work hard because I do. And I'm just going to stay grateful for the opportunities I have and keep working. And all the other top riders are too. And if, you know, someone wants to be a a great rider with a great horse, the bottom line is if you work your butt off your whole life and have talent behind it, opportunities will open up for you, whether you have the money or not. The key is work. The key is always work. Yeah. I mean, that was so perfectly said because I feel like it is, such an area of the industry that stays, you know, like pretty, pretty hush hush. But at the same time, you know, people are talking about it and saying it and all that stuff. And I really do think it does stem from jealousy or insecurity. And um, you and just like what you said, I know if if the role was reversed, Mm -hmm. that they would want that same respect and acknowledgement. And it's, interesting especially when when it's coming from people who are in the sport who who know all of the work that goes into making it I appreciate you taking the time to verbalize that because I don't think we get to hear we we, we see and hear um, the success stories of people who came from the bottom from nothing and how they turned in there's plenty of that in the industry Um, but I I love hearing your side where you could have had the money to whatever, whatever people would say, maybe slack off or, or let people do your job for you. But there's no way you would be as far as you are now. And it's just a testament to your work ethic and your um, determination to kind of prove that stereotype wrong and to, and to show that, I mean, whether you had the, the cash or not, you're still going to get this far. So I just think that's amazing. Thank you so much. And it's great of you to ask the question that not a lot of people would ask. Well, thank you. Um, So, I mean, here we are today, um, just entering 2019. What what are some of your big time, big dreaming goals with dressage? And and what kind of steps are you planning on taking to get there? I think like a lot of riders, my goal is always to compete um, at the at the top of the sport. So if I can try and make us international teams, um, for Pan Ams or world cups or Olympics, that is always my goal. And I will never stop working until at least I have the opportunity to get there. 
And so, yeah, that's, that's always my goal. Just trying to be able to at least compete with the best of the best in the sport. It's, you know, it's, it's horses. So sometimes you make it and they go lame when you're in Aachen or Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever happens. But as long as I, you know, work hard and I know that I've given myself the opportunity to compete at the top sport, then I, I'll be very, very happy. Yeah. Amazing. So when you aren't riding or working with your horses, what, what kind of things do you love to do? I love music. I'm a worship leader at my church and um, that's what I'm majoring in. So I play piano a lot. I love working out. I love going to dinner with my family and friends. And of course, the occasional Netflix binge when there's time. Who doesn't love that? Absolutely. Um, I love being spontaneous. My friends and I went skydiving like on a whim a couple months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It was so, so awesome. It's not what you think. So if any is scared of skydiving don't be because it really doesn't feel like you're falling so if I can do it you can do it because I'm like (laughs) afraid of big roller coasters so (laughs) wow that's amazing it was so fun um yeah I love I love having fun I'm always trying to do crazy things and anything that'll make me laugh and make other people laugh and board games and family dinners and and all that but and then of course every waking second I can I'll try and spend with my horses of course. Yes. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, I know you've mentioned that you have a passion for volunteer work and, and kind of serving others in the industry. What what kind of things are you doing to do that? Yeah. So when I was in Wellington for the winter season in 2017, I volunteered at the Dressage for Kids program which is incredible. It gives so many opportunities to youth all over the country. Um, And so I would go there and I I would lead workout first thing in the morning almost every day. And I would teach lessons and I would help them make sales video for their horses and I would help sell their horses and I would help them go try horses. And and this was while I was competing U25 for the U.S. So there's, um, there's always time to help other people is what I've learned. And no matter how busy you are, you can always lend a hand to somebody else. So I think that's something I definitely want to encourage people to do is no matter how busy you are or how much you have on your plate, just try and find ways you can give back to the community. And I personally love helping youth because, um, you know, they're younger than me and I've been where they are. And I, I really feel like I can encourage them on their journey because I've been through a lot of things they're going through or will go through. And I feel like um, I can help them in their journey. Awesome. That's so cool. Well, Anna, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I have loved what you had to say and just the, the areas of the industry that you're able to relate to and shed some light on. So I just really appreciate you and um, wish you all the best. Thank you so much. You're doing absolutely incredible with your blog and I can't wait for this podcast to start. So thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, I appreciate it. We'll have a good one. Okay. Thank you so much. What did you think of today's episode? Head over to anywhere where you listen to the Equestrian Podcast and please rate and review and tell me what you thought. I would love to hear your thoughts because I'm curious and it helps people like you find the equestrian podcast. It also allows us to find some amazing guests for you to listen to. So win-win for everyone. Well, that is about all the time we have for today, but make sure you're following us over on Instagram at equestrian podcast 
so that you stay up to date on any news for the podcast. So until next time, I'm Bethany Lee. This is the Equestrian Podcast. Now get out there and enjoy the ride.